Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Amen. The one thing that I enjoy about um, pastoring is that uh, I have the privilege of um, recognizing gifts within individuals that God placed there. And I have the privilege of being able to speak the word in their lives and demonstrate the word before their lives in order to draw that gift out. And I'm not just talking in the realm of the spirit. I'm talking in the soul realm and in the physical realm. In between services, we have these little pull-up contests. We probably won't do that next year because it would be old by then. Um, but last year, I won everything at 46. I did 27. That's all it took, 27 measly pull-ups. Well, I have inspired people. I have people half my age gunning for me. Now, you could say that I could go and say, well, let's get it in age category. But I figure if Caleb's 85 and he can take a mountain, then it really shouldn't be a problem for me to continue to do pull-ups with 20-something. And if they beat me today, if they do, then I've inspired them to greatness. Because last year, when I put the beat down on them, they thought, my gosh, how could a man twice my age beat me? I need to do something with my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Because God said that our spirit, soul, and body should remain blameless. We should not neglect our physical body uh, as we walk through life. We need to take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I encourage you again, we're going to get out in that breezeway. There's going to be a lot of smack trash talking, you know. I'm going to be in encouraging them. I'm going to say, is that all you can do? Is that all you? I might be like the prophet Elisha and say, come on, is that all you can do? Do I need to put a 45 on my waist to help this thing out? And if they start going in numbers that make my eyes roll back in my head, I'll say, go on, go on, go on, keep going. Because when it's all said and done, we're a team. Amen? Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about not easily broken. Not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I love the way God talks to me, um, and I don't try to change it. In fact, I don't even try to get in other people's molds. In fact, anytime people try to put me in their molds, I'm typically resistant because, you know, God made me special. Amen? I believe that about myself. That doesn't mean I'm better than you. I'm just special. And I hear God. God speaks to me in some of the craziest places. And I'll just be doing something that has nothing to do with service, and God will talk to me and say, you're going to preach on this. Yesterday, as I was cutting the backyard, all of a sudden, God dropped a word down in my heart. And I was meditating as I was doing my laps, and I thought, man, this is so good. I better record this. Pulled my phone out and recorded it real quick because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss it. And I use these things, you know. I don't have to get off in a room and study for 15 hours in order to bring something out. I'm always talking to the Lord. But whatever works for you, you need to do that. But the Lord spoke to me and says, we have a society of easily broken men. Now, it's right here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, or chapter 4, verse 12, the very first statement, it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. 
Now, it says can be, so you might argue, well, it says can be, which means that maybe they won't be. Well, you understand, there's a thing in life that it can look like by all appearances that somebody's doing great. And the Scripture identifies that individual. It says, what good is it a man who gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? What that man don't understand is he's broken. He may not be broke financially. He may not be broke materially speaking. He may not be broke uh, with how many people are around him and how many, but on the inside, he's broken, so broke, he don't even see it. He's blind broke. But this first part lets us know that there's this issue called to isolate or isolation. See, when a man's alone, he's, he isolates himself. And the word isolate literally means to put or keep someone in a place or situation separate from others. Men love to isolate right now in the earth. Why is this? Because of Genesis chapter 3. We can find every answer to life's problems within the first three chapters of the book of the Bible. And then the rest of it will help you discover how you can get out of all that junk how you can live above it, and then in the end, the last couple chapters lets us know what the victorious uh, believer who has always submitted their lives to God, what kind of life they're going to live for eternity. But in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 9, God shows up. Then the Lord called the man and said to him, where are you? And that's the same question God's asking today. Adam has eaten the fruit that God has told him not. In fact, in fact verse 10, the Lord literally says that. And, and Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Then he says in verse 11, he said, uh, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So God told man when he placed him in the Adam, he can eat from any fruit of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he shall not eat. For the day he eats, he shall die. The word die there or have death means to be separated. In essence, you'll isolate yourself from me. And sure enough, when the man willfully disobeyed God and he ate the fruit, he went into isolation. And a man, according to Ecclesiastes, Verse tw- uh, 4, verse 12, a man, a person standing alone can, a- can be attacked and defeated. I'm amazed at how many men are being defeated in life constantly. And when I say men, I'm not saying lost people alone. I'm talking about born-again believers with unrenewed minds. Now, I could throw this over to, to women as well. This whole message, you can apply it whether you're male or female, but I'm talking to men today, Okay. I'm going to focus on that a little bit. Because the devil knows if he takes the one that was created first, that means the spirit of man in a male suit first, then he can disrupt the order of God on the planet. That's why he attacks men. See, when a man wants all of God's creation for their benefit without submitting to God, this is a sign of weakness. And the enemy can break the man. I'm going to say that again. When a man wants all of God's creation for their benefit without submitting to God, this is a sign of weakness. And the enemy can break the man. They become easily broken. 
In essence, Adam, when he decided to eat the fruit, he decided that the creator who made everything that I see and has given me dominion over this, I want it without him. This is why men want women without marriage. This is why men want jobs without responsibility. This is why men want, um, you know, um, go into addictions and different things because, again, they, they, they want all that the world has but don't want God talking to them. They won't respect, but they won't show responsibility. They won't honor themselves. Are you with me? They want everything the world has to offer, but leave God out. That man's isolated, separated from God, and the enemy can easily break them. Most men today cannot handle the weight or pressures of life. That's why they run to isolation. Can't even handle it. All of a sudden, something goes wrong in the marriage. All right, let's go back. Something goes wrong in just a dating relationship, not like they want. All of a sudden, too much pressure, they run away. They go to isolation. They get off by themselves. Even teenagers, even in their home, uh, young men, when they're in their homes, the parents start to establish boundaries and say this, they can't handle pressures, and they want to run. The Bible's very clear. That guy's going to be attacked and defeated. Marriage relationships, things get a little bit tough. Man, want to bolt, leave, take off. Man sleeps with a, with a woman and she gets pregnant. What's he do? Takes off. Pressure's in work. All of a sudden, too much. Quit. Go find another job. Let me break it down to us believers. The Lord starts touching things in your heart and in your mind to change so that you'll be more like him and you run from the church. And isolate yourself. The minute you isolate yourself, then the enemy will pull you all the way out. He'll say, oh, man, you got to work. You know, you got to take care of your family. And that means you can't go to church. And this tactic has worked. It's worked very significantly in many nations. In fact, Haiti has an epidemic of it so much that there's so many forgotten kids. So many forgotten kids. It's amazing. But it has taken its toll on the United States. And I'm going to show you a video of what happens when the man isolates himself. Go ahead, guys. children are born out of wedlock. More than half of all Hispanic children in the U.S. are born out of wedlock. More than 70% of all African American children are born out of wedlock. Two years of Two times as likely to end up in jail, and four times as likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. Seventy-one 
These are the statistics that we don't hear on CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC. These are not the statistics we're talking about. Why? Because the enemy wants the man broken. And here's the thing. There are tons of children in this situation. So this call is not just about you being a man in your own home. This is about you're going to have to become a man for another generation that's not even your own. You don't go through Mighty Men 318 just so you can go back home to your spouse and your children and say, look, I accomplished something. You do that so that you do something that models a house, but then you can look to another generation, another child that tends to show up, somebody else, and say, you know what? We're going to take so-and-so with us to go fishing. We're going to take so-and-so with us, and you begin to help put something in them that a fatherless generation don't even have. See, you can continue to be this guy all by yourself and decide to climb life on this rope. Anybody want to climb? I mean, it may sustain you for a little while, but understand this rope alone, it's not going to be able to handle the weight of life, pressures. Jesus said this, in, li in life you'll have trials and tribulation. So it's not like whether you're born again or lost that there's not a problem or a conflict. And so what the devil does is isolate you from being around godly things, from being around the church, from being around three things I'm fixing to speak to you about that's going to make you strong. He'll isolate you so that you live life on a thread. When God wants you on a three-strand cord, because a three-braided cord, which is this, is not easily 
broken. I believe I could go up. I got to save my strength for midway. I'll do it in second service. You want to see me climb it? <laughs> Somebody say, can you climb it? Well, I could do pull-ups in between service, man. I don't want to say, well, if I went to climb the rope, I could have got two more. No excuses. Whatever I do is what I do. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I'm going to give you three things that make a man strong and not easily broken. Number one, you must have the fear of the Lord. You must have the fear of the Lord. Now, I need to say something real quick to every man. I need you to not mental assent me today. That means I don't need you to just say, hey, that's great, Pastor. I need you to think of what I'm about to say and begin to ask yourself, do I live this? Because everybody can say amen to a word but did not live that word. So hear what I'm saying. Take, and again, if you're not in a note taker right now, you need to download this message because it'll save your absolute life. I've been through a lot of pressure in life, and I believe there's more pressure to come. I believe that. I mean, I'm not delusional that I'll get to a place where all of a sudden everything's easy. No, in fact, it may get more difficult in the natural, but it'd be easier for me to lean and trust on God and allow him to navigate this thing called going against the current of life. When I say life, I'm talking about the world system, the world's way of doing because I live by faith. Three things. Number one, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verses 26 and 27 give you some scripture. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. You want to start getting strength, you got to have the fear of the Lord. And his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. What is the fear of the Lord? Simply put, it means to reverence God. It means to have honor to him. That means it's a holy reverence. It's an awe that this is my dad, and I don't want to live any way that would displease him, would bring reproach to his life. I honor him. Everything of my actions is a reflection of him, and I fear God. I want him to be seen through my life. I do not want God to say, son, what are you doing? So what I'm doing in public and what I'm doing in private. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with and turmoil with it. Now, you read this scripture, and you're thinking, oh, great, so if I have the fear of the Lord, I have to have little. Really? Let's go to the next context. Proverbs 22, 4 says this, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. So you won't go broke having the fear of the Lord. In fact, you'll rise. You'll rise because you are more concerned about pleasing your heavenly father than you are with anything in life. The fear of the Lord. Reverence him. Honor him. Pastor Jay posted something on on WhatsApp. I don't know if he sent it out to a few people, but he began to talk about time and honoring God. And he says, it's amazing to me people will show up three hours before a flight 30 minutes before going to court, and then so many minutes before going to work. 
Why? Because they honor those things in their life. But they'll show up 15 minutes late to church, 30 minutes late to church. Where's the honor? No fear of the Lord. No fear of the Lord. I said no fear of the Lord. Because what we honor, we make priority. And men, when you make God the priority of your life and you walk in the fear of the Lord, whoo, great things can be added to your life. We'll preach more on this subject at a later date. Proverbs 15, says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. I've seen more broken men because they don't fear God. They just don't fear him. For them, it's no big deal what they do. Oh, well, God, forgive me. That kind of lifestyle will break you. It'd break you. It'd break you. Cave to the pressures of life. Break you. You get offended, walk in unforgiveness, blame. See, that's a broken man. That's weakness. Well, I can't forgive them. Well, you know what they said about me? That's weakness. Jesus could handle all that stuff. Well, I'm not changing. That's weakness. That's weakness. Because we are to be transformed into the renewing of, with the renewing of our mind. We are to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. We are already in the spirit, but our mind's got to get that way. And then our outward, outward lifestyle needs to demonstrate that because we have a fear of God. It's one of the strands in the three-braided cord. Proverbs 23, 17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live. But what? But what? Live in the fear of the Lord. How often? How often? Always. In every dealings, in every aspects of life. It's the number one strand. It's the fear of the Lord. Number two. The second strand within a three-braided cord that's not easily broken is keeping his word. Go ahead, write that down, keeping his word. Hearing his word does not make you a man. In fact, hearing his word and not acting on his word makes you weak. It makes you like your old daddy, the devil, the deceiver, because hearing a word you don't act on makes you a deceived person. So it's not good enough. You're not strong because you come to church. But you'll never get strong without coming to church. You can come to church and never receive the words that are spoken from the Word of God and be weak. But if you never come to church, you'll never receive the Word, and you'll always stay weak and easily broken. Cave under the pressure. What's wrong with you? Have you had someone say that to you at work or your spouse? What's wrong with you? You get all frustrated and aggravated. Well, you know, it just upsets me. Okay. I understand it does. But when those moments come, you need to identify I'm being weak now. Because in your weakness, guess what he'll make you if you'll lean to him? He'll make you strong. See, too often weak men say this, well, I'm just a human. 
I understand I have limitations in my humanity. I, don't get me wrong. I recognize that. So what that does, it lets me know that if I do make a mistake, if I do fail somewhere, I understand that my humanity is still attached to me, but I do not give it an excuse to continue in that road. In essence, I say, wait a minute. I understand why I was, uh, why I allowed myself to go there or, or some factors are in play, but when it's all said and done, I must take personal responsibility. Anytime I'm frustrated, it always goes back to keeping the word. Anytime. It always goes back to that. And most of the time, it goes back to it because I've actually not been in it. I've not been diligent. My tank's empty. So we have to keep the word. What's the scripture saying? in John chapter 14, verse 24, it says this, he who does not love, he who does not love me does not keep my word. Now, you know what it doesn't say? It says, he who does not love me does not hear my word. Doesn't say that. It says, he who does not love me does not keep my word. So that implies that you could hear his word. And most, a lot of people think, well, I'm in church. You know, I love God. And you've deceived yourself. Because when you're supposed to act on that in some situation, you're not. Because you are, you, you're off in isolation, separate from the Word, from responding that way. And how many men, seriously, how many times have you gotten a conflict and the Word of God rises up, but you went with the flesh instead? Yeah. We've all done this. But it shouldn't be the habit of our life. Shouldn't be the habit of our life. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I love about that, he says, if we confess our sins, which lets us know we ought to know exactly what the sin is we're confessing, which means we shouldn't have done so many that we can't remember them. So this is why we know this verse is not for lost people because people that have never made Jesus Lord, they have no concept of all the sin they've done. All they have to do is confess Jesus Christ as Lord. But when I was born again and God lives in me and his word begins to speak to me, I know when I'm crossing the line. Just like Adam. Oh, you want to go there? Let's go there. With our wives, with our children, at our work. It's because we're not holding to these strands. The fear of the Lord and keeping his word. Deuteronomy 440 says it this way. So, oh, let me go back to this verse. I didn't finish it, sorry. He who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which you hear is, uh, is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So again, it implies if you love me, what will you do? You're going to keep his word. Then it goes on and said, Deuteronomy 440, it says, So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may be what? Not bad with you. Not bad with you. It's not bad to live for God. It's not bad to keep his word. It's bad not to. Now, your flesh will feel good for a moment when you don't keep it. Your flesh will deceive you that it's, you know what, you know what, I, I, you know, I'm freer now that I don't go to church every Sunday. I, you know, I just feel a sense of freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do, right. Right, till all hell breaks loose. And even the devil will help load you up. He'll do all, he has two ways of doing it. He'll destroy your life or he'll blow you up with life's great pleasures if it keeps you out. 
Because if he can keep you from being a doer of the word, then he can keep you from being a champion and he'll make you a broken man. So you shall keep his statutes, his commandments, which I'm giving you today, that it may go, go well with you and with your children after you. You know what? The Bible is very clear that if we are financially successful, that does not guarantee that your children will be good. I need to give them more. This is the greatest lie that I need. To, I want to give them more than what I had growing up. And they squander their walk with God for the sake of amassing some type of uh, um, uh, material wealth that they pass down to their children that keeps them out of God as well. No, but if you keep his word, it'll go well with you and your children that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So we have to be doers of the word. We have to actually act on it. Amen. We must be a doer of the word. I would surmise in this service and in second service that some fathers will show up only because a wife asked them to go to church with them on Father's Day or their children asked them to go to church with them on Father's Day. Or you understand what I'm saying? And so they appease their... And they live life on this. But we're going to turn to this, the fear of the Lord. I'm going to be a keeper of the word because the Bible promises that if I keep the word, man, it's going to go well with me. Not only me, but other generations. And whatever it is, God, that you mean to do because I have the fear of God. When your word comes to me and confronts me, if there's something I need to change, I'm going to change it. I'm going to be a doer of it because you guarantee me that if I honor and reverence the creator of heaven and earth, the one who gave me life in the first place, and then I will do what he says, life will be grand for me. Guaranteed. And no matter what comes against me, I'll be able to stand. John 15, 10 says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his. Jesus could not have the testimony, I love the Father, without doing what the Father said. You cannot... Honestly, look at your spouse, your employer, or your brother and sister in Christ and tell them you love God and things are good with you and Jesus, yet you do not keep his word. Doesn't exist. I said it doesn't exist. Come on, smile. This ain't heavy. This is good news. I mean, how simple is this? This is not hard. This is simple. You do it. You keep it. You maintain it. You make it happen. In my life, I've dealt with these two very specific, very specific. I've honored God so much that when I got into a particular conflict, I sought his word on how to overcome that conflict because I sure can't react according to my flesh. On more than one occasion, this has happened in my life. On more than one occasion, this has happened. And I would not allow myself to go to the flesh in these situations because I honor my father so much that I have to keep his word. And I want to because he empowered me to do so. Empowered me. The third thing is this. And these are it. These include everything. You know, people could say, what about, what about love? You understand? Keeping his word is love. See, we got to first have the fear of God. If you do not have the fear of the Lord, 
You're not even going to get into understanding. You're not even going to be able to under, get into knowledge. You're not even going to have any of that. You may have trivia, and there's a difference. There are a lot of believers that are full of trivia. You know what trivia is? Trivia is a bunch of information that you have that can answer questions, but you don't actually live by none of it. And it's amazing how the devil has deceived people that just because they can answer a question right, they must be right. But you can answer a question right and still be wrong. Hallelujah. These two, the fear of the Lord and keeping the word. Because when you keep his word, you are in the love walk. You're in the love walk. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you with me? I could preach this all the way to 11 so we don't have to do any pull-ups. And save some of y'all the embarrassment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the third one's being led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says this. This sounds simple, but this is profound. As simple as this is, it becomes a challenge for men because man, the male, was the first one to disobey and the first one to isolate. The male was the cover-up. The male was the runner. The male saw his wife and had an opportunity to stop his wife, but let it go, only to go ahead and eat himself. And then when it went bad, he became the cover-up. Here, honey, cover, the, cover up. Cover this. Here, use this. Cover yourself. Oh, here comes God. You know, I don't know where you're going. I mean, there's no indication that Adams grabbed his wife and took... And notice when God came in and said, Eve, he said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? This is the same question. I guarantee you God's saying this every Sunday morning at the appointed time when you're supposed to be connected to a body because you shouldn't be isolated. You're jointed and fitted together where your gift can come out. He's saying, where are you? Well, Lord, you know I work late. Now, again, if you literally are scheduled to work, that's one thing. But if you're always scheduled that you can never have fellowship in a church body, quit the job. Trust God. Because there's no way he wants you to live life isolated. But I don't have to go to a building in order to be right. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You don't have to be in a building to be born again, but once you're born again, the spirit that lives in you will send you to a place where everybody collects upon the same place. And that's a commandment, not a request. Now, if you have time, so you have no fear. You're not keeping his word. And you're on a twig, a, a, a yarn in life. Up and down, up and down. The last one's being led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 4 says this, For all who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You know why you have to be led by the Spirit? It's because this way you don't determine what's right. <laughs> I'm going to show you here in a second. 
Psalms 37, 23 says this, the Lord directs the steps. The Lord what? Directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. In every what? Every detail. In what? Every detail. How many details? Everything. How many details? All of it. You know what? I've heard people say this. I've heard it, and, and it sounds so godly, but it is absolute bunk. Well, you know, God gave us a brain. In fact, um, um, in fact, um, 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 I was at a particular place um, getting some information, and um, um, they were telling me about uh, Miss Parker here at Homeless, when you do the homeless feeding. And they said a storm was coming, and she says, it's going to be all right. The storm's not going to... She started talking faith. She started talking her authority. And the individual says, okay, I'm going to listen. And the storm parted and went around. Next time they come to feed, that individual's there again, and she said the same thing. Now, this individual said, now, listen, God gave us natural brain and said, we really need to take cover. So convinced her to just pull in and get up underneath shelter. Guess what? It parted. And she looked at him and says, don't ever give me instruction again. Because it sounds godly that all of a sudden, you know, God gave, we really ought to take, because it's like, it's stupid to really believe God would move storms so that people who were homeless that were getting fed wouldn't be, would not be disrupted so they could get a meal. Like God don't care enough about, he does care, but he needs someone to stand in the gap and say, rain's not coming here while we're feeding. Now that takes faith. Are you with me? That takes faith. And it sounds that way, but then when actions happen, they're like kind of blown away. And you know what I know about that? You don't know enough about the word. You don't know enough about the word because you take natural. It's amazing how we go back. This is why the Bible talks about being led by the spirit because the spirit of God could say to her, I'm bringing the rain and she can't do nothing about it then. All right, let's wrap this up because the Lord said rain's coming. You have to be led by the Spirit. Look what it says right here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. It says it this way. I like this translation, okay? Um, I think I'm going to read out of not this translation, actually. So I apologize. Really, the New Living Translation, for whatever reason, the thing popped up as a new NASB on mine, but it's really not. So I'm going to read it. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now you think, well, what's wrong with having good intentions? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end lies. And a man can take God's Scripture when God's not wanting to move that in that scripture, not wanting to do that in that moment, not wanting to go there because that's not his will. That's not what he's doing right now. That's not what he's saying right now. That's not what he's talking about in this circumstance. See, this is the failure of man. Man is on a string, isolated. Then someone says, I'm going to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And he says, come on over here to this rope, man. My gosh, man, I'm going to give you something, man, that you ain't broken. But you don't want to renew your mind. You just want to actually go to heaven. So you want to stay on your little rope. And stay isolated. And you begin to say, well, you know, I'm born again. That's fine. You know, I'm going to go to heaven. That's all that really matters. 
You know what? I go to church, you know, but I'm going to still make decisions on my own because God gave me a brain anyway. And then you start using these scriptures to go wherever you want to go, and you're keep quoting scriptures because it all sounds good. But it isn't the word by the Spirit. Paul himself says, man, I want to get up here and go into Asia. He said, but the Lord prevented me. He couldn't just go where he wanted to go. The man knows that God desires to preach this gospel everywhere. But he didn't say, I threw a dart on the map and I went there. Because wherever I go, God goes. Because God's in this man. And whatever I put my foot, the kingdom of God's there. Because I'm there. And I'll go anywhere and I'll preach. And God says, you ain't going to Asia. Don't tell me I go to Asia. I love Asia. I love everything about Asia. I love the food. I love the people. I got to go, Lord. You get there, you die. See, we got to be led by the Spirit. It's not enough to fear God. It's not enough to keep his word. We must be led by his Spirit. Oh, man, I've negotiated with God on more than one time about other property. Sure have. Why? Because it seems easier. There's less conflict. But I'd rather be led by the Spirit. Fight the good fight of faith. And let God move. Are you with me? You understand, I don't have the choice to determine where anchor faith buys. Because he's concerned about every detail of the body. I don't even have a choice of who we put in places in the body. God determines that. Now, if they disqualify themselves, then that's on them. If they need to be moved for a season, that's on them. If they get it right, then we can put them right back. If God says it, we do it. This is why I don't say, well, you know, but listen, you know what, man, you know what happened with this? The last time they were, you know, hey, God says, do it. This is what Paul did when he did dealt with the church in Corinth. He said, listen, there's a guy in your church that's sleeping with his father's wife. I'm not even there, but I've judged the man. Get him out thinks he's a so-called brother and y'all hugging up all over him. You know what they're using? They're good intentions. They're saying, well, let's love him. Let's love him. You know, God loves. And Paul says, God does not rejoice in that unrighteous behavior. Kick the man out. And they did. And you know what happened to the man? Because he got separated from the body? Because he was already separated in his actions. Wanting to do God his way. That he repented. And then the second letter to the Corinthian church, Paul says, restore such a man. Now, you know, they could have said, we ain't bringing that guy back in. Nah, man. I mean, my God, seriously? I mean, the guy was sleeping with, I mean, no, God's forgiven him. He's got it right. We're bringing him back into fellowship. This is good news. Why? Because God commanded us to love one another. That's the keeping of the word. I have to love you. That's right, I have to. It ain't about whether I want to. I have to. And this is the problem. Well, you know, if I don't want it, if you, you know, if I don't want to, I shouldn't have to do it. That's not living by faith. That's stupid. That's weakness. Because how many of you ever woke up on Monday and said, I don't want to go to work? But you did it. So you can put down the flesh for a paycheck 
because you're weak, but you can't put down the flesh to become strong in the Lord. Are you with me? We got to have the fear of the Lord, keeping the word and then being led by the spirit. Let's go on. He goes on and says this, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Again, that just means there's a list of things to do and not to do that you should not keep that independent of the spirit of God. You have a relationship with God now. You fear your father and you love him and it's giving you access to wisdom, understanding and knowledge, true knowledge. And now you have access to the word where your mind and your spirit is illuminated to the things of God. You actually gain understanding on how the word can work in your life and you act on it, how to act on it with your wife, act on it with your children, act on it with somebody else's child that's fatherless and you're gonna pour your life into them because you're not so selfish to keep it to yourself. You act on it. You act on it. You act on it. And then the Spirit of God is talking to you and saying, now use this and go here and speak this and say that and talk to them and do this and forgive them and don't hold that. Hallelujah. And then he goes on and says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. All this is self. This is all isolated terms. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you, as I've told you before, that anyone, say anyone. Look to your neighbor. Hit him on the shoulder and say anyone. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. Let's go on. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit of our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What is a three-braided cord in the man's life? It's to fear God, to keep his word, and to stay being led by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we magnify your name. Father, in our society today, there's many men that just run. They run. They're weak, and they don't even know it. They have their own personal trophies that try to tell them they're awesome, but they'll have nothing in glory. Father, today I pray that their minds have been illuminated and they'll recognize if I'm going to be strong, I must have this three-braided cord. Because if I'll have the fear of the Lord, if I'll keep, the, keep his word, and if I'll be led by his spirit, man, then I'm not easily broken. That man is not easily broken. That man doesn't run from conflict. That man doesn't run from challenges. A man that's full of balance will first, first seek the kingdom. That means he will be the spiritual leader of the house, and the spiritual leader of the house is the one who is saying, we must be in church we must pray together. We must seek God together. And I will be the example 
The truck leaves at this time. The car leaves at this time. We help get the kids up. We help feed them. We get them to their appointed time. We do not let them fall into this, I'm tired from school. I had a long day at practice, and we give in. No, we say, son, all that, daughter, all that's good, but none of that means anything compared to God. Compared to God. It's time to rise and take the leadership. Then secondly, you are to be a model in the house and demonstrate the love of God to your spouse and to your children in everything. My dad was not a godly man at all. Not at all. Now when I say those terms, I'm not saying he was mean, beat my mom, cussed us out. No. No, my dad worked. In fact, he kept the biblical principle of six days a week and took one off. Sunday was his day off. He worked the other remaining days, and he was diligent to bring food to the table. I never felt poor. Never. Even when they struggled financially, didn't know it. But my dad never went to church. But just before he died, he made Jesus Lord, and he left. I never got to be with my godly, natural father. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. He left nothing in me concerning God. I love him. I honor him. But I would never want to be that dad to my children, to my grandchildren. I want my grandchildren to say, Big Poppy, he's in Haiti because he's ministering to people. Big Poppy, he's praying for people. But then when I'm with him, Big Poppy, he'll jump in the pool and play and throw us around and wrestle. Because when I'm with him, I'm with him. But when I'm, when I'm doing the kingdom stuff, I'm doing it. And I don't feel bad for that. Because I want to leave a legacy to my children's children's children of a man who feared God, kept his word, and walked by the Spirit. And that'll make you a strong man.